Good day to anyone listening to this and once again I am Ehanri Osaho and this is the second episode of the Welcome Sessions whereby we review the book The Richest Man in Babylon by George Classen and I'm from The Garden and for today I'll be anchoring this book review. So we start off from chapter 3. Chapter 3 is titled Seven Cures for a Lane Pause and this this um chapter is quite impactful so i want you guys to please listen as always and it starts with the story of a king the king was called king sargon and then king sargon returned from from war from conquest and then when he was in babylon he saw that his people were not wealthy anymore he saw that they were poor and he wanted to find a solution and so he called one of his advisors and his advisors said that we could call the richest man in babylon that is akkad we can call Akkad to help us out. And so the king called Akkad. Akkad is the richest man in Babylon, like I said yesterday. And so Akkad says he has no problem teaching the people of Babylon how to make money. And so he asked them to arrange 100 people for him. And now when Akkad gets these 100 people, these are the lessons he tells the 100 people. So these are the secrets Akkad knows. And so he's about to tell these people. And the first secret he tells them he says that I'm going to give you the seven cures of a lean pulse. The first cure will be this. That you should start your pulse to fatten. What does that mean? He says that you should save from every income you get. That from every amount you get, save a tenth. That is 10% of every income you get should be saved. I spoke deliberately about this in the, the episode yesterday, but just to reiterate. It simply means that whenever you get money, your, it is your job to pay yourself first. Probably after I pay your tithes, then you give yourself your money. That's 10%. Your 10% is always with you. And that money must go into savings. And so the second cure he gave out was that you should control your expenditures. He says, when you have, if you take out a tenth of your income, you have 9 over 10 left. 9 over 10 does not mean does not mean that you must squander it. So for some people, saving from taking an amount of their income to save makes them um say like life has ended. I don't know if you understand because um the money they're managing before is money you want them to save. And so he's like the best way to do this is to draw yourself a budget. Like budgets about how you want to spend for the next month, the next three months, or the next week. Start with a week, then go to a month. What I've learned from having a budget in the past years is that budgets actually, budgets actually train your financial discipline. You know, it's something to say that you're going to spend 700 naira this today, and when you're buying your stuff, you're like, okay, this is 600 naira, so I have only 100 naira left. And I like to note, you're building yourself this discipline, and then in, in the long run, you find yourself being a very good manager of money. Bishop Oedipo says something. He says that. You do not grow big to manage well, you manage well to grow big. So in the process of becoming a giant financially, I would advise you to please get yourself a budget. Suit your budgets to your needs, um, your needs and not your wants. And so the third cure he talks about is um, to make that gold multiply. This basically talks about investment. And I spoke about this in yesterday's episode, but just to reiterate, there is something called, there is something called savings saving backwards saving backwards is simply refers to a situation whereby you put your money in a bank 
and then let me say the interest rate of the bank is five percent but then the inflation rate of the country you're in is ten percent so no matter how much or how long you save you're saving backwards you're saving that interest you're getting is going to be futile so you know in order to avoid that in order to avoid that scenario your advice to invest investment is what makes you get good returns and that you're not losing the value of money your money keeps on working for you so like i said earlier on i spoke about it yesterday so please if you want to get more insight on that please listen to the recording i sent yesterday and for the fourth cure the fourth cure is to guard that treasures from loss what does this mean when you have saved money and you want to invest and then you probably see an investment opportunity that says that you get 15% ROI, that is um, the return on investment in the first month. You can barely find companies that give ROIs of 20%. So you can imagine a company saying, I'll give you 30% after the first month. Of course, those returns are quite tempting, but what is the use? What is the use to lose your principal? Um, what is the use to lose your principal in the search of returns in the search of higher returns so please when i try to invest look for investments that look quite realistic have um have research about the investment opportunities that you get people that have invested with them and okay these people are quite trustworthy i don't feel like what i'm saying but what i've understood what I, what i know is that most times when we save money we try to invest it in opportunities that have the highest ROIs and whenever something goes on or goes wrong we find out we lose all the money it basically comes with um, Ponzi schemes and stuff like that but I feel if you can find a way if you can find a way to have a good knowledge of investment platforms then you'll be in good shape then the fourth cure the sorry the fifth cure the fifth cure talks about make of that dwelling a profitable investment this simply means the author here talks about having a house for yourself i know most of us listening well most are probably in our youthful ages but you might not need it right now but i promise in the next 10 to 15 years you need it he says that you have to try your best to get yourself a house instead of you living in a rented apartment and now when when he spoke to, when when I saw these lines, I was like, how is this possible? We know how expensive houses can be. But he gave an illustration, he gave an answer to his question or to his proposal. This was the answer. If you can go to the money lenders, if I go to someone that you quite know that is quite very rich and is willing to help you, and probably secure a loan for a house. And then after after a year, you're able to get workers, contractors, architects, they work on your house for you. And after a year, you move into your house. You have left the house where you were paying rent before, and now you are in your own house. And then you begin to pay the money lenders money. When you are paying this money lender, when you are paying the money lender back his money that he gave to you, like it or not, let me say in the next five to ten years, you are done paying the money he gave you. And so after those ten years, there is no need to pay rent again. I don't understand what I'm saying. Like it or not, the money you if you if you're in rent, you're going to keep on paying. That is, a, is is an expense for over 20 years, depending on how long you stay in the house. But with this way, you save yourself expenses. I feel I feel having a house is a very, very big primary thing. Not just to live in a house, but to have your own house. 
And then the sixth cure he talks about is to ensure a future income. This simply means that we should try and get um we should invest in insurance policies. Um just insure your properties, insure your houses, insure your cars, insure some money for your children, for your family, in case anything goes wrong. I feel when you insure things, you are basically putting a safeguard or a safe net in your future. Your future is is quite protected. Why? Because you have insured your future. Of course, God is the protector. But then we also have to make some steps to make our future quite presentable. And so please, please and please, when you find yourself with good possessions, when you find yourself with good properties, you have to invest them. Invest them for the future. And then the seventh cure is that we should increase the ability to earn. What does this mean? He says, the reason why you are paid an amount of money right now is because your knowledge or your skills are equating to the level of amount of, of remuneration. Yeah? But in times or in the scenario whereby you increase your knowledge or your acquisition, when, when you get yourself to a place whereby you cannot be dispensed by your company because you are so vital to the running of the company, the company has no other choice but to increase your pay. There was a man that was so was so committed to the working working in this um, company and so he was just a normal worker. And then so after five years of working morning days and nights, he then told himself that he wanted to resign since he was not appreciated. And then because of how the management knew about this man's strengths or this this man's vitality in the company, do you know what they did? They met the man, they begged him, sorry we cannot let you go. Why? Because if you leave, we would run down. And then the man said, I will live here until you guys increase my salary. And then the manager simply said, what do you want, sir? What do you want, sir? What am I saying? To increase, to increase your revenue, to increase your amount, you have to get yourself to a higher level. You never stop learning. So if you go down the line of singing, you have to get better. If you go down the line of public speaking, you have to get better. All these things boil down to you getting better improving yourself the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement and so you find yourself in a place whereby you keep on improving i can assure you with a high level of assurance that your revenues or your income will increase also the same way or at the close rates of your improvement and so those are those are the seven those are the seven cures to limb pulse that the author talks about in chapter three and so we'll be going to chapter 4. And chapter 4 is titled, Meet the Goddess of Good Luck. Now this is a very, very short chapter, but I'll just summarize it in the best way I can. Now Akkad was busy teaching his hundred men, and then someone said, Can I ascribe my wealth to luck? The person told Akkad that a day before, they were at the, they were at the town what is it called now? They were at the city city gates. And then the horses were running. And then Akkad put his money on a horse that no one expected to win. And so the horse won. And Akkad received a lot of money since he had so many odds on his side. And so someone asked him, Sir Akkad, can you ascribe your wealth to riches? To luck, sorry. And Akkad said, no, I wouldn't. He was trying to tell him that if you are going on the road of luck, or if you are trying to go on the 
on to to live your life on the goddess of luck <laughs> they called her they called her ashtani in the book he said in the game of gambling basically this book talks about gambling sorry this chapter talks about gambling in the game of gambling the odds are against you he said the 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 person that's that is anchoring the person that's hosting the game has five chances to win and then you have just one chance to win so you can see clearly, clearly, clearly the odds are against you. Imagine you 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 about to roll a dice, and you put about hundred thousand on on the dice landing on the three, and the the person that betting with says no problem, no problem. I'll give you hundred thousand if it lands on the three. But if it lands on one, two, four, five, six, I'm getting your money, and there's nothing you can do about this. And it's so funny because people actually, actually still go in and put in the money. When you understand that the game of gambling is against your odds, it's against your favor, you know that there's some things that you cannot do. Some things do not just make sense. Some things do not just make sense. So please stop gambling. Gambling is not in your favor. I feel that's the best advice I can give you from this chapter. And then furthermore, they talk about something, they talk about opportunities. Like when you get an opportunity to do something great, what then must you do? And then he said, opportunities come to the few. So when an opportunity comes to you, it is your duty to look at an opportunity. What does this opportunity hold for me? And after you've thought about everything, after you've risen, after you crossed your T's and dotted your I's, you then follow the opportunity. He says that, who among you has had good luck within your grasp, only to see it escape? I can assure you that luck or opportunity comes from you taking actions. Men of actions are favored by the goddess of good luck. And that's why I'll be rounding up with chapter 5, sorry, chapter 4. And we'll be going into chapter 5. Chapter 5 is like a summary of the all the chapters I had, but still we'll go into it. It is titled Five Laws of Gold. This chapter talks about um, the richest man in Babylon called Akkad. He was about to give his estate when he was getting old. And then he called his son called Nomasa. And he said, My son, I can't give you my estate just because you are my son. I want you to I want you to prove to me that you deserve the estate. I want to see your financial literacy. And the father said, So I will send you out to Syria. I'll give you money, I'll give you two bags of gold, and I'll give you a bag of clay that has my wisdom of finances. Then you will go, after 10 years, you'll come back and tell and show me your reports. And the son left, and like it or not, when the son left, just like the, the, the prodigal son, this Nomasa lost all the money. After two years, he was gambling, he was investing in stupid things just because his friends said they were nice he was really around with ladies and after two years he was poor and then he began to beg but something happened when we got to the point of stupor when he had sold all his cattle he had sold all his camel he had sold everything he had and then what he had remaining was the wisdom clay that the father gave to him he went to the clay and he saw the father tell him that okay this is what you would do and so these are the five laws that were on the clay, on the clay, the clay templates. The first law is gold cometh gladly and in increasing quantity to any man who puts by not less than one tenth of his earnings. 
that talks about saving one tenth of your income like we said in the episode yesterday and episode today the second law says go liberate diligently and contentedly for the wise owner who finds for its profitable employment multiplying even as the flocks of the field that talks about um investments that when you make money work for you you become rich and i said something yesterday that robert kiyosaki said something he said that the poor work for money why do rich make money work for them so find a way to make money work for you that is called passive income and it comes from investments and so the third the third the third law is gold clingets to the protection of the cautious owner who invests under the advice of wise men in his land this talks about investing money with people that know about the business it's not just about giving people money that you really like know about what you're doing the fourth law says gold slipped away from the man who invests it in businesses or purposes which he is not familiar or which are not approved by those skilled in escape like the same thing with the fourth law and the fifth law says gold flees the man who would force it to impossible earnings or who followers the alluring advice of tricksters and schemers or who trust it to his own inexperience and romantic desires and investments like i said it talks about investment basically that's simply to go and get knowledge before you start investing this is the last chapter for this review and this chapter five and it's called the gold sorry the gold lender of babylon Basically, we are, we are shown a man called Maton. Maton is a wealthy man and he goes to meet Rodan. Rodan is the Rodan is the money lender in the town of Babylon. And so all of a sudden, this man, Motan, goes to meet Maton, sorry, Maton goes to meet Rodan. And then he says, I have a problem. And the lender says, what is the problem? He said, I have a lot of money, but now people come to me begging me for the money. <laughs> you guys can relate to this you know you know when you have um a rich friend or something and then the rich friend comes and says sorry when you're rich <laughs> and the people come to meet you for money when you're poor they do not miss you but now you're rich so this was the problem that Martin was going through yeah and then what happened was that what happened was that Martin then met this man for wisdom he said my sister's husband is asking me for money what should i do and the lender told him a story that I want to share with you. The lender said that there was a farmer in the land of Babylon who had two animals. He had a, a, an ass and a donkey. And so every day the ass would be on the, on the grass lying down just resting. Meanwhile the donkey, sorry the oxen was walking day after day. And then the, at the end of the day the oxen met the ass and asked, why are you always resting while I'm walking? What is your secret? And then the ass said, I always act as if I'm sick. And so when the farmer comes, he knows he won't do that to me. He knows he won't give me work because I'm sick. And so he has another choice than to give you all the work. And the next day came and then the oxen did the same thing. The oxen acted sick and then the farmer was forced to give all the work to the ass to do. And at the end of the day, the ass met the oxen and ass was angry and he said, why did you do this to me? And the oxen said, thank you for your words of wisdom yesterday. 
today I have fully rested. I'm very, very grateful for what you told me. I won't go full depth into the story, but the moral of the story is this. If you want to give people your money, there's no problem with that. But when you choose to carry their burdens upon your head, when you choose to enter debts upon your head because you care for them, you are going in the wrong direction. So every time you do these things, be very, very careful. What is another way to do this thing? Be very, very careful before you make an investment or before you give out money to your friend or your loved one is asking for money. And yeah, the lender advice matter that there's no problem giving your friend the money, but please use collaterals. Tell him that if he doesn't pay the money back after this while, he will give you his land or his house or something of great value. And he closes the chapter saying, better a little caution than a great regret. Better a little caution than a great regret. So this is where I'll be closing with the review of today. And I'm very, very sure you have learned something. One or two things have been impacted to you. And I'm so, 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 so grateful for you listening up to this point. Thank you very much. If you think you learned something from this, please feel free to share with your friends. Once again, I am Ihanu Rosaho from The Garden. And this is the book review of The Richest Man in Babylon. I'll be posting the last review tomorrow by God's grace, so please listen also, and I can't wait for you to tell me your stories. Thank you, see you tomorrow.